I hear people say, well, you know, the world, everything's out of control. Well, it does feel that way, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, the world's a mess. But then I have lots of people in and, in and out of the church both telling me, you know, that they feel out of control. My life feels out of control. Yes. I, I, uh, I've, I've certainly had more than my fair share of times feeling that way. So if, if you have ever felt that way, you can understand. If you've never felt that way, you might as well just go home. But anyway, um, just kidding. You don't have to leave. You can stay. Um, in, the middle, uh, in the middle 80s, I was working with a guy. He wasn't saved yet. But uh, I, he, he said to me one day, he goes, <laughs> I, I laughed so hard. He goes, I think you're the most self-controlled person I've ever met in my life. And I thought, Lord, if you knew how I felt on the inside, you would have never said that. But, but you know, we, we know that, that Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, the things that God, His presence in us, the Holy Spirit comes to reside in us when we, when we receive Jesus into our lives. And whether you feel him or don't feel him, but I'm telling you, you do. You just don't necessarily recognize it. But, but, but the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And the last one is self-control. And self-control uh, sounds like a lot of work. It, it, it may feel like a lot of work to be self-controlled. Um, 2 Corinthians 10, you don't have to turn there, just listen. But it says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That also sounds like quite a bit of work to me. I don't know about you, but, but it's like, okay. And, and sometimes we can get caught up and trying harder and harder, and, and uh, sometimes it seems like, uh, my wife and I talk about this, sometimes it seems like the harder you're trying, sometimes the more you're focusing on the negative, you're focusing on what you're not doing right, and you're feeling like you're fighting yourself, and you feel like you're fighting a losing battle, and uh, you know, I think that we, we feel like we may start feeling like God's frustrated with us or unhappy with us. And, and we keep coming to church and we have our church face on, but inside we're, we're feeling like we're quite the failure. And, and we figure if we just keep a good straight face that no one will know, all right? But, but see, <laughs> you know, when we get in that place, it's like we're here and we're listening, but a lot of it just sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher. You know, it's like, wah, 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 wah. I have no idea, you know, what was, the, you ever done this? Somebody goes, so what was the sermon about? And you're like, yeah, I have no idea, absolutely. I have no idea what, it, I have no idea. If that's you, don't smile or laugh or anything, because no one will know if you just look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, and, and you know what? God gets that, and, and you still don't have to turn there. You can turn to Matthew 25 if you want to turn somewhere. We'll get there in a minute. But Isaiah 28 said, says this. It says, he who said God's words to them, here is the rest, give the rest weary, and here is repose. But they would not listen, but the word of the Lord became to them precept on precept, rule on rule, line on line, here a little, there a little. 
And then it says that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and caught because they weren't listening to the word anymore. And that's a bad place to be. I've been there. It's just hard to listen. We don't want to get there. All right? So, so we can start seeing God in the a wrong way. You know, the, in the parable of the talents, a man, it says, uh, it's in Matthew. You sh- if you want to look, you can look there. Matthew 25, starting with verse 14. It says it's about a man who's going away on a journey, and he entrusted his possessions to three of his servants. He gave one of them five talents, which is, I looked it up. It says it's 6,000 drachmas, the equivalent of about 20 years' wages. So if you take your, the average annual salary, according to Google, I don't know if Google knows anything, but Mr. Google says that uh, the average income in the United States is $59,000 a year. So times 10, that would be $590,000 uh, or double that because that's 20 years. So that's $590,000 almost. So that'd be about $1.2 million almost. He gave the first one. That's quite a bit. Somebody gave me $1.2 million. I'd try to figure out some cool stuff to do with that. You know, but uh, it says he gave him five talents and another guy three talents, and another guy one talent. And, and the, the first one went and doubled the money and the second one went and doubled the money. And the guy he gave one talent, you know the story, right? He went and buried it. And, and he said to the master when he came back, he said, I know you are a hard man. Now, I just think about that for a minute. Is that what you would say about somebody who gave you $1.2 million? Hey, you're a really hard guy. I'd be like, no. It'd be like, you gave me $1.2 million. I'd be like, yeah. Woo, yeah. I would not say you were a hard guy, all right? No, I would say, what a generous guy he is, and I'm going to go work for him, and I'm going to double his money, and boy, is he going to be happy when he gets, see? But, but, and then, and the master said to the guy, you wicked, lazy, wow, wow, because he just didn't do anything with it. He just buried it. Then he said, you should have put it in the bank. At least I would have gotten interest on it. Well, that would be sensible, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know, I, I think, you know, when, when, when we're put into, you know, when, when somebody is, we put somebody in charge of something. Recently, uh, someone, dear friends of ours, went on a trip, and they have three little dogs, and they asked their neighbor if the neighbor would watch the dogs, and the neighbor was like, oh, yeah, I'll watch the dogs. Well, when they got home to absolute disaster, the neighbor had obviously not let the dogs outside much, if at all, and when he had cleaned up what the dogs did in the house, if you get my meaning, he just put it in the kitchen trash can instead of taking it outside. So their house reeked and it was everywhere. And, and you're like, you wicked, lazy neighbor, you know? I, I mean, I mean, okay, you, you get the idea, you know, but, but see, see, Jesus isn't, He's not a bully. He's not having these huge expectations for you. He's not mad at you. You know, he, he, he's not ticked off at you because you don't have enough self-control. He's not, he, he, he doesn't look at you that way. Because if you remember, you know, yeah, would you, okay, 
this guy said, oh, I know you're a hard man. Okay, was Jesus hard? Really? Really? No, you know, the, the leper came to him and said, if you're willing, you could make me clean, you know? And he goes, you know, if, if I'm willing. You know, he, he looked at him, and the Bible says he was filled with compassion. And, and when people would interrupt him praying, he didn't get mad. He just said, he, he just taught him. And, and he, you would never say that, that he was a hard man. You know, uh, what is uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight? 28? We know that. You know, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So, you know, when we start looking at the Bible and going, wait, that sounds like a lot of work. That self-control thing, that's a lot of work. I don't know. And, and that take every thought captive thing, that's a lot of work. I don't know. I'm not doing very good with that. How many of you think you do a really great job taking every thought control all the time? That's what I thought. No, no, neither do I. So, so you know, he's not mad at you. You understand that, right? But, but, but he's not a hard guy, as the wicked lazy guy thought. You know, another time, Jesus said, Matthew, if you want to put this in your notes, Matthew 23, 37, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to you, I'm going to rain down fire and brimstone. No, no. He said, how often I wanted to gather your children together the way, the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. Now, that's his heart. He just wants to gather you up protect you, watch over you, love on you. Uh, Jeremiah 31.3, the Lord appeared to me saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. Wow. He didn't threaten us. He didn't, you better straighten up. Or... <laughs> no, 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 no. It says he draw, he, he's drawing us to him through loving kindness, you know? So, so we started talking about self-control and taking thoughts captive. Look, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Where does control come from in our lives? Well, we know it's the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's building something inside of us, all right? But, but, but self-control is not the only fruit of the Spirit, right? But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, look at the beginning of that verse. It says, for the love of Christ controls us. You see that? Now, where does control come from? The love of of Christ. You know, no, we, he doesn't control us like a remote control car or like a puppet. That word control in the Greek, I'm telling you, is like, it's like a, it's like a gold mine. Here's what it does. It's, it says that love, that word in the Greek means it holds us back. You ever needed to be held back? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Ever say something you shouldn't have said? Yeah. And when he just, have you ever had him just do that? Just, whoa, okay. You're in the middle of a sentence and you're about to let somebody and you're like, hmm. Holds us back, compels us to do the right thing, urges us 
impels us. I like that. That's like launching us out, right? That, that has a hold on us. It rules us. It presses us. It, it's in the driver's seat. Don't you like that, to know that his love is in the driver's seat? All right, that is a good thing. It guides us. It puts us into action. It's the very spring of our actions, and it moves us. You know, the love of Christ controls us in that way, all right? Not from the outside, but from the inside. Now, don't stop listening just because I'm talking about love. Some people, yeah, yeah, I, heard, I know I hear about the love of God all the time. I don't want to hear about that. No, no, no. You know what? I, it's easy to go, okay, so what does the love of God have to do with my life and the situation of my life? You know, it hasn't fixed my life. All right, slow down. Just stay with me and just listen a little bit, all right? Turn over to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We could read the whole chapter. It's such a good one. We're not going to. Um, but verse 5 says, And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. When you received Jesus into your life and, and you were made a new creation, the love of Christ was poured out into your heart, into your life. We have, a, uh, we have one of those humidifiers on our furnace uh, at, at our house. And as far as my wife and I can tell, it does not work whatsoever at all. We'd go around shocking each other and shocking the dog, <laughs> mostly shocking the dog, actually, and uh, less shocking. And my wife's like, my hair is full of static. And uh, I have no hair to be full of static, so it's not really a problem for me. But, but, um, but where was I going? I don't, I don't even, I, oh, oh, I know. So, so, so we have this little tiny little humidifier that, that we keep in our bedroom. And when the baby, the grandson is with us, we put it in his room because, you know, we like to take especially good care of him. But, but I fill up the tank all the time. But see, once, once he poured out his love into you, you understand it's a permanent thing. He doesn't have to keep refilling you. It's already there. You know, uh, I, I heard a minister say this one time that, that, that a minister had said to him, you know, what we need is a revival of love. And he was like, well, what you need then is to get saved because when you got saved, God poured out his love into your heart. Now, that doesn't mean you use the love that he poured out into your heart, but it's there, okay? It's available and it's there, but that doesn't mean you use it. You know, we, we uh, recently uh, cleaned out a storage closet in our house, and both my wife and I were like, oh, I forgot I had this. I didn't know we had this. When did we get this? Where did this come from? I don't know. Yeah, you guys understand if you've lived anywhere very long. We haven't even, yeah, we, but, but that love of God may be dusty and on the back shelf, Okay, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that, all right? But uh, anyway, the love of God has been poured out into us, but that love can be ignored and overridden. Do you understand that? I can, instead of, of pouring that love out on Pastor Edwin, as, as I would always try to do, 
Um, you know, if I wanted to be angry at him, I could override the love and go ahead and be angry at him. But that wouldn't benefit either one of us, would it? No, it wouldn't. But so, so I, I, I hope most of you have a mailbox. We have a mailbox. I don't have to check my mailbox. You understand that? I don't have to. I don't have to walk out my front door, take the dog out, look in the, unlock it, look in it, empty it. If I do do that, there's mail in it just about every day. Very rare that we don't get mail. Rare that we get anything we want, but we rarely fail to get mail. All right? You know, I, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. Understand this. He is not going to force you to walk in love. He will not beat you up. You're a new creation in Christ. His love is poured out in you. If you check your spirit, if you check your mailbox, uh, there's love in there. If, you're, if there isn't any love in there, you just need to come down here. When Edwin's down here after service and get saved, okay? But if you're saved, if you've asked Jesus into your life, I'm telling you, the love is there. And check this one out. The Lord told me this. Your spirit literally wants to do the right thing all the time. Never, ever, ever doesn't want to do the right thing. Your spirit wants to love everybody all the time. But every time you don't do that, it's because you overrode it. It's like, yeah, well, I may have mail in the mailbox, but I'm just going to leave it there. I don't care. <laughs> we, we don't usually, we probably should stop our mail when we leave town, but we don't usually. We just let the mailbox fill up and we come home. It's, <laughs> you know, when... When we override our spirit, we feel bad inside, but that's not God doing that. You understand that? That is you. That's the real you, your spirit, man, your born-again spirit, your new creation spirit that is not happy that you weren't walking in love. It isn't God. You know, people like, God made me feel real bad. But no, 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 you did that all on your own. All right? Now, he, he poured his love in there, and, and I, I won't say you, I failed to use it. You know, it, it, turn over to Galatians chapter 5. We don't usually go here. We usually look at the fruit of the Spirit. That's much nicer to look at love and joy and peace. and pay, Those are much nicer, right? But, but if we look at the works of the flesh, which are listed right before he lists the fruit of the Spirit, uh, it's, it's interesting because it kind of begins and ends with, you know, it's like um, verse 19 of Galatians 5. It says, the deeds of the flesh are obvious, which are immorality, impurity. Well, you know, it's easy to go, well, yeah, but I'm not doing that. So you just kind of blow off the rest of it. But you shouldn't blow off the ones in the middle. I'm just telling you. Sorcery is one of them. Idolatry is like, yeah, I'm not doing any of that. You know, I'm good. But no, see, then it, then it, <laughs> then it starts talking about enmities, which is hostility. Hello, don't look around or anything. And then no one will know you have hostile feelings toward your boss. Strife, hello. Jealousy, hello. Outbursts of anger on Dodge Street. Um, disputes, dissensions, more factions. That means being disagreeable. Envying, okay, a whole bunch of those things in the middle that are works of the flesh are things that we all have to deal with every day, you know? Except for Pastor Edwin, who has overcome... <laughs> any kind of anger in his life. So, 
He's laughing. I don't understand why he's laughing. That makes no sense to me. Anyway, don't, don't burst the bubble of my view of you, okay? Do not do that, all right? Flip back to Romans 13. You know, but God points, points those things out. I mean, it's real obvious what the works of the flesh are, isn't it? We know when we're being fleshy. When, when, we're, when we're not walking in love, we know that, okay? It isn't tough, okay? It isn't hard to figure those things out. But, but you know what? We don't want to walk that way. You know, there's nothing in you that wants to walk that way. Everything in you wants to do the right thing. But, you know, we all have family and jobs and bosses and neighbors and, you know, there's disagreeable all around us. But trying to be, let that love dominate us isn't always easy. But you know what? I'm telling you, I have done this. I, I wish I did it every time. I, I can't say I do it every time. That would be a lie and that would not be good. But, but, but I have done this so many times when, you know, somebody is in my face or they've just dogged me in some horrible way and, and wronged me. I mean, I've had people go tell my boss I did things I didn't do and then I get in trouble from my boss. I mean, you know, you're just, you just want to get in their face. And, and, you know, if you do this and you, you're about to let them have it and you go, and what do I feel down here? Love. Okay. Wow. Wow. How? Well, because he poured it out. He filled you up. It's, you're full. Okay, your gas tank is full. Your mailbox is full. Whether you put that to work or don't put it to work. But you know what? Why not put it to work? Think about that. Why not? Why not? Why be the grumpy, disagreeable, grouchy guy at work when you could be the guy who is just kind and loving and friendly and pleasant? I mean, it's really not up to God. You understand that? He, he gave you the toolbox, but, you know, you don't have to use them. Hello. Are you in Romans 13? Verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Well, you know, he's, he's writing to, to people who understand the law of Moses, you know. You know, back when you read, you know, Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, Deuteronomy and there's rule after rule after rule after rule and he's like hey all you have to do to fulfill the whole law is love your neighbor like what well look keep what you're reading it says for this you shall not commit adultery you shall not murder you shall not steal you shall not covet and if there's any other commandment and there are if you look back there it is summed up in saying you shall love your neighbor as yourself love does no wrong to his neighbor therefore love is a fulfillment of the law Love doesn't cuss out the customer service rep on the phone. Love doesn't yell at the bad driver. Love doesn't talk bad about your boss. Hello. Hello. Romans 11, 10. No, we're still in Romans 13. Verse 11 says, Do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for us to awaken from our sleep. For now salvation, meaning the return of Christ, is nearer to us and we believe the night is almost gone, hallelujah, and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife, hello, and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision 
for the flesh in regard to its lusts. You know, lay aside, guys. Lay aside anything that's in your way of you walking with here. Pastor is not here, so I feel obligated to <laughs> pick up the bottle, okay? So, so just bear with me. But you know what? Lay aside, guys, isn't hard. I just laid the bottle aside. You know, it's just like when I, I, I was just like I was standing over there. I, and you're about to do it, and you check here, and it's, whoa, love. Whoa. Wow, I can't say that to you. And, you know, that is so much better than after you hang up the phone when you, and, and you hang up the phone, and then you're like, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I know none of you have ever done that but me. But, um, you know, so, so I, the Lord brought this to mind. I think it was the Lord. But, but, but years ago, my aunt, my aunt, when I was living with my aunt I, uh, and my uncle, my uh, aunt and uncle up in Minnesota, and, and my aunt got home. We had been out shopping, and she realized a diamond was gone from her ring. And so, so she was like, okay, well, I'll, we'll just look around. And, and we, we're in the house, and Grandpa goes, yeah, I just, while you guys were gone, I vacuumed. You're like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, Lord. I know she doesn't have the money to get a new diamond, and I know that even if she got a new diamond, it wouldn't be that diamond, and that she's very sentimental, and Lord, you got to help here. And, and so I was like, Grandpa, so what'd you do with the trash? He goes, well, I took it out and burned it. <laughs> that's what you do on the farm. You know, as city folks, we don't know anything about burning trash. So I went out there, and you know what? I went like this. I lay aside some of the ashes right on the top of the pile, and the sun caught that diamond, and I picked it up and walked in the house, handed it to my aunt. But, but see, see, God's super cool, and he's super good. But see, the laying aside part, see, that can start sounding like work too. But you know what? It's just, nope, not doing that. Nope, I'm not going to say what I think of what you just said to me or what you just did. No, I'm not going to respond rudely to you. No, I'm not going to respond in kind. I'm just going to pull up the love. And I'm just going to keep walking in love. You know what? You know, here's the deal. Don't beat yourself up the moment you don't do that. And pat yourself on the back and say, Lord, I'm learning. I'm getting it. I'm doing it. I'm using some of that love you gave me. You know, pat yourself on the back. Don't beat yourself up. And, and uh, you know what? It'll be easier and easier to do. I think, uh, are you, no, I had you go back to, uh, I, I think I had you go back to Romans, so I, I probably need you to, where should I have you go? The time goes by. You know, Pastor always says that. It does go by fast. Um, I, I, uh, turn over to Isaiah chapter 30. Uh, Isaiah 30, verse 21, it says this, your ears, he's talking about, following him, okay? It says, your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the right or to the left. You know, he's all about just guiding you, helping you. Go this way, go that way, go this way. If you ever ride a horse that was really well-trained, we had a horse on the farm, ugly horse, but it was so well-trained. 
it was not an attractive horse. I'm just saying. I'm not trying to be mean. It just, it didn't, it, it, it didn't have much hair on its face. So it was, it was just, it wasn't attractive. Just trust me on this, all right? But that horse, if you thought go left, it did it just about. I mean, that horse, now she did not like me. First time I got on her, she took off running and stopped, put her head down and stopped to see if I would fall off. I did not fall off. And uh, so she and I had to come to Jesus meeting. And uh, anyway, we, we eventually worked out our differences. And, uh, but, but if a little kid was on her and that little kid got scared or slipped a little bit, she'd just freeze. She wouldn't move a muscle until an adult came and took care of that kid. I mean, she was super smart. And she'd play, uh, she'd play games with you. She'd play tag with you. I mean, I've never seen a horse like this, but I haven't been around as many horses as some people. But, but she was fun, all right? But I'm telling you, when you were riding her, you just, just, you just nudge with your leg and she'd go left. And she, I'm telling you, she was super, super well-trained. I want to be that well-trained. I want, when God says go left, I want to go left. When he says go right, I want to go right. I don't want to fight him on every turn. But you know what? Sometimes... It feels like we do that. So, again, don't beat yourself up. If you're doing that, just learn not to do it, okay? And, and uh, I, I think uh, Ezekiel 36, 26 says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and you, statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances, and you will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers, so you will be my people, and I will be your God. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that just awesome? We will be his people, and he will be our God. You know what? It's so easy just to go flow with him. We make it hard sometimes. We make it hard. Jesus said this, didn't he? A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, so you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We have to let that love dominate us. It's not impossible to do because he's all about making it happen. He's already given you all the tools. He's filled up your mailbox. You just got to make a withdrawal out of the mailbox and, and uh, put it to work. Um, go back to uh, go back to Galatians five. I love Galatians five so much. It lists the works of the flesh, but also lists the fruit of the spirit. But also says a whole bunch of other things that I think are relevant to what we're talking about tonight. But Galatians chapter five, verse sixteen says this. But I say, walk by the spirit. And you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its, its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For they're in opposition to one another. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. See, see we're not under law. We're, we got his love in us. And, you know, there's debates about whether that spirit should be capitalized as in the Holy Spirit. Or if it's little s, your spirit, you know what? It doesn't make any difference. 
because he lives in you and his, his influence is there. And so your spirit, whether it's his spirit, your spirit, or his spirit, same with the fruit of the spirit. There's, you know, they debate these things at cemeteries, I mean seminaries, and uh, they debate these things and, and argue and have them write papers about which it might be if it's the Holy Spirit or your spirit. It doesn't make any difference, all right? Because we're one with him, and he's with us, and we're with him, and, you know, we could go read that out of John. But, but it, it, it's we're one with him, and his spirit is in us. And he's influencing us. So, so, so Galatians 5. Look at uh, verse 25 down the page a little bit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25 in the NIV says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I like that. All right? I like the way it says that. I, I, I understand what that means. I'm not a dancer. Not really. Uh, I have stepped on my wife's feet multiple times when I was trying to be a dancer. She has been very kind about that. But, 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 but keeping in step. You know, when you see, you know, uh, we don't watch, what's that show? Dancing with the Stars. Uh, we don't watch that, but, but just channel surfing, you know. I don't know how they could possibly do what they do, but you know what I'm saying? They, they're, they're in step. You know, but think about Think about us being in step with God. Is that just the greatest thing? I mean, you're talking about, you know, when you don't miss opportunities to, to lay hands on somebody and pray for him. You don't miss opportunities to tell somebody about Jesus. You don't miss opportunities to love on somebody who's having a really bad day because you're just totally in step with him. Is that just exciting? I mean, you could get excited about that. I mean, it'd be like, you know, Pastor says, have you heard him say this? He says he gets up in the morning and asks God to give him opportunities. All right? Yeah. Why not? You know? I've told you before, speaking about my cousin Judy, who owned, she and her husband owned a Little King restaurant. And, uh, and she, uh, they had some tragedies in their life, but she got to the point where she was like, no more tragedy. I'm going to do everything I can to avoid tragedy. You come in in my restaurant. How you doing? Oh, not feeling real good today. Can I pray for you? Great. Let's do it. Woo! And she, I mean, she's not shy about praying for anybody. Because, okay, I'm not a healer. I can't, I can't, I could lay hands on you, your head, until I rubbed every hair off of it, and it would still not heal you. I could not do it. But, you know, why not, you know? I mean, she would pray for anybody and everybody and, and then she went and worked for a major ministry now, and she answers their phones and is on their prayer line because she loves to pray, and she sees people get healed all the time. Well, why not? Why not be in step with him and take opportunities to do whatever you can for whoever you can? You know, are you responsible for the whole world? No, you are not. But you know what? If you just stay in step with him, then as you meet something, meet someone, meet a situation, hear about something, you know you can pray, you can do whatever. You know, just stay in step with him. You know, he's not asking you to be in charge of the world. He's just asking you to follow your plan. Just follow your plan. You know, if we just relax and let love dominate us, it's not hard work. You know, Jesus, what did he do on the cross? You know, I would think he was in such agony and such pain. I don't even know how he could have done what he did. 
But he, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You know, now that's, that's being in step with the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I, uh, has anybody in here ever cross-country skied? One. One, two, two. Anybody else? No? So, so I was out in Rocky Mountain National Park years ago in the middle of winter. And some friends were like, hey, we're going to go cross-country skiing. Do you want to go? I'm like, never have done that. Looks like a lot of work. I like big hills, big mountains. Like go to Vail where the, the slopes feel like they're eternal. You go all the way up to the top and then go all the way down to the bottom. You can ski for like 30 minutes without stopping. And, uh, you know, you don't have to do any work at all, really. You're going downhill and gravity does this. But that cross-country thing, I thought, mm, no. That looks like a lot of work. No, no, it'll be fun. Come with us. Come with us. I was like, uh, okay. Well, it's, it's, we were in Rocky Mountain National Park. I mean, in the winter. It was gorgeous. So, so, so I get the skis on, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this out. And, you know, it's like <laughs> going nowhere. Okay, that's not good. And then so I thought, then I figured out how to get moving a little bit and went up a hill. And then I got, realized, wait a minute, I'm going up a hill, and I'm on two sticks. And this is not a good thing. And I stopped and I slid right back down the hill and then went sideways and I fell down. And so, so my friend was like, no, 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 let me teach you how to do this. I'm like, I was doing it kind of. And they're like, no, 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 no. You weren't doing it right. You were thinking about what you were doing. I'm like, well, yeah, I was, of course I was thinking. No, no, no. Don't think about what you're doing. Don't. Think about it at all. Just go. I'm like, no, 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 no that doesn't work. No, no, no. They, they were like, trust me. Don't think about it. Don't work. Don't stress. Don't panic. Because <laughs> it's easy to think to do that, trust me, when you're on cross-country skis. But you know what? It's the craziest thing when you just forget about what you're doing and just kind of walk. You're just right up the hill. No problem, unless you stop and think about it and then realize, wait a minute, I'm in trouble here because I shouldn't, uh, no, it, uh, don't do that. Just don't think about it. Just go. And, and there's little ridges on the bottoms of cross-country skis. I don't understand who, you know, I don't understand the engineering part of it, but, but, but I do know that uh, if you just relax and just go, it works, and it's so fun. It was so beautiful up there. I'm telling you, it was absolutely take your breath away, one of those great memories. But, but walking with God is a lot like that. If you're all stressed and tense and, and beating yourself up and, and angry at yourself for mistakes you've made and the past and there's this and why and I don't understand and what does God want me to do? Yeah, if you're just stressed all the time, you know what? You just need to just stop and back up, and just trust the Lord, and let that love control you, and don't worry about everything, and trying to solve everybody's problems, and trying to figure out your life all in one minute, because it ain't going to happen no matter what, so, you know, you give him time, he'll get you where you need to get, but just relax a little bit, yeah, but I make a lot of mistakes, okay, just learn to walk with him, and pace yourself, and don't stress, and you know what, pretty soon you're going to find yourself going, It'll start working. And, and uh, yeah, I was talking to a young guy uh, 
And he's like, how do you know what God wants you to do with your life? I'm like, <laughs> okay, let's start with slow down. Let's start with relax. Uh, you'll figure it out. How do you know when God's talking to you? Well, okay. <laughs> yes, I understand all the questions. I understand all of that. But you know what? It just takes some time, and it just takes some patience, and it just takes walking with him. You know, um, Paul, Paul said this. You know, he wrote half the New Testament. He probably knew one or two things, yeah, about God probably. You know, probably. We could give him that, couldn't we? All right. Yeah, we could give him that. And, and he, he said this in kind of a roundabout way. He said our life on this earth should not be hard. And you're like, wait a minute. This is Paul who was beaten multiple times and th shipwrecked three times and, and, uh, and, and all these arrested. Right? And what did he say about it, though? I want you to think about this. In 2 Corinthians 4, 17, he says... Our light and momentary affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. Light and momentary, he called it. How could he have called it that? You know how he called it that? Because he was just flowing with God. Yeah, he wasn't worried about it. You know, God spoke to him and said, you must go before Caesar. Well, they're in the middle of a hurricane. There, the, the, the wind's blowing. They're throwing the parts of the ship overboard and everything, you know, and they're like, we're all going to die. And Paul's like, yeah, God told me I was going to stand before Caesar, so I'm not going to die. I guess I'm not going to worry about it, you know. Hello. Sometimes we just need to rest in his promises and just kind of slow down, relax a bit, and just let him show us. Light and momentary. All right. So we're winding down here. I may actually finish early. How's that? That would be a rare, a rare, a rare thing. I try to stop on time, but early, that's, you know. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. You know, God's doing a whole lot to, he's poured his love out into you. And what does that love look like? Well, 1 Corinthians talks about that quite a bit. But um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this, but I want you to repeat it. And you, I'm going to put my name in here, and, uh, and you put your name in there, okay? Because so where it says love is patient, I'm going to say Dave is patient. All right? So you all say your name, your name unless your name is Dave. And then you can say my name, okay? That'd be okay. All right? You guys ready? All right. Dave is patient. Dave is kind. Dave is not jealous. Dave does not brag. Dave is not arrogant. Dave does not act unbecomingly. Dave does not seek his own. Dave is not provoked. Dave does not take into account a wrong suffered. Dave does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Dave rejoices with the truth. Dave bears all things. 
Dave believes all things. Dave hopes all things. Dave endures all things. And in Christ, Dave never fails. For the love of Christ controls us. Amen. We just got to let it do it. We just got to let it control us. Got to go ahead and make that withdrawal from the mailbox. <laughs>